Welcome back. Welcome back, dear listeners. We were on a brief hiatus trying to recover from the insurrection. I mean, what the fuck, right? You might hear me use that expression profusely throughout this episode. So much has transpired since our friend Donnie lost the election, yet to this day, a fucking year and a half later, delusional Donnie is still pushing the big lie. Listen, folks, we never thought we'd say this on this show, but there might even be a small, dark part of us on a cellular level that wouldn't mind seeing him run again. I mean, let's face it. Biden's a blowout, and there are no obvious Democratic political leaders. So unless we want Mark Cuban or The Rock officially leading our country, it seems that Trump is still a real contender. As popular as Ron DeSantis is with the Republicans in Florida, I think that if it was a head-to-head between Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump, who, by the way, is also from Florida, where every nutcase has gone to live in the last few years, but anyways... I digress. I think in a head-to-head, Donald Trump would probably still beat this at this, even though he is incredibly well-liked. Let's check Trump's current stats. He was impeached twice, lost the 2020 election by over 7 million votes, is entangled in investigations by federal prosecutors over the Capitol insurrection, mishandling of classified White House documents, and election interference. The DCAG has him for financial fraud at the Presidential Inaugural Committee in the Manhattan DA, New York Attorney General, and Westchester County DA all have some investigations into the Trump Organization. Also, Fulton County, Georgia DA, Fannie Willis, who seems to be also going after hip-hop stars, is after him for criminal election interference in Georgia. And last but certainly not least, the House Select Committee on January 6th are exposing a narrative that is evil and heinous. Is there a real connection between those so-called war rooms, the violence outside, the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers gathering, and what was happening inside the West Wing? Well, I think your question practically answers itself. Donald Trump was, of course, the central figure who set everything into motion. He was the person, Rob, who identified January 6th as the date for the big protest. And he announced that in his tweet in the middle of the night on December 19th after uh, a crazy meeting, one that has been described as the craziest meeting in the entire Trump presidency, ended December 18th. Donald Trump sent out the tweet that would be heard around the world, the first time in American history when a president of the United States called a protest against his own government, in fact, to try to stop the counting of electoral college votes in a presidential election he had lost. Absolutely unprecedented. Nothing like that had ever happened before. So people are going to hear the story of that tweet and then the explosive effect it had in Trump world and specifically among the domestic violent extremist groups, the most dangerous political extremists in the country at that point. We would be remiss in our recap if we didn't mention a few of the tastiest January 6th committee hearings bombshells from Cassidy Hutchinson, a former top aide to Mark Meadows, White House counsel Pat Cipollone, and Trump all-star puppeteer Brainy Steve Bannon, who finds himself at the center 
of white-hot controversy with a leaked nearly hour-long audio obtained by Mother Jones, which is new evidence that Trump's late-night diatribe, which came a few hours later than Bannon had anticipated, followed a pre-existing plan to lie to Americans about the election results in a bid to hold on to power. The new recording stands out for the striking sociopathic attitude and detail in which Bannon described the scheme to use lies to subvert democracy. Bannon also predicted that Trump's false declaration of victory would lead to widespread political violence, along with crazy efforts by Trump to stay in office. It's pretty correct on that. Bannon and his associates laughed about those scenarios at various points in the recording. Who wouldn't? Hey, good going, fellas, on the insurrection. Really job well done. And what Trump's going to do is just declare victory, right? He's going to declare victory. But that doesn't mean he's the winner. He's just going to say he's the winner. The Democrats, more of our people vote early that count. Theirs voted mail. And so they're going to have a natural disadvantage, and Trump's going to take advantage of it. That's our strategy. He's going to declare himself a winner. So when you wake up Wednesday morning, it's going to be a firestorm. We're going to have Antifa crazy, the media crazy, the courts are crazy, and Trump's going to be sitting there mocking, tweeting shit out, you lose. <laughs> I'm the winner. I'm the king. And he'll be all over, he'll be, he'll be going, where's Hunter? Is Hunter on a crack pipe? I mean, no, he'll be, because then it doesn't matter. Remember, here's the thing. After that, Trump never has to go to a voter again. He's going to fire Ray, the FBI director, and fire the scene. and say, fuck you, how about that? Because he's never going to, he's, he's done his last election. Oh, he's going to be off the chain. He's going to be crazy. Also, also if, Trump is, if Trump is losing by 10 or 11 o'clock at night, it's going to be even crazier. No, because he's going to sit right there and say they stole it. I'm, yeah. going to the court, uh, Agree. I'm directing the attorney general to shut down all ballot places in all 50 states. It's going to be no. He's not going out easy. If, Trump, if Biden's winning, Trump is going to do some crazy shit. Cassidy Hutchinson testified that Don went all diehard on his driver while in his car, The Beast, trying to take command of the vehicle and go to his festival, sorry, insurrection at the Capitol. And Cipollone said that he attended a meeting pre-January 6th coup in which Cipollone played a key role in attempting to control, if not stop, Trump in his allegedly illegal campaign to overturn the 2020 election. On the evening of December 18th, several of Mr. Trump's outside advisors, including Sidney Powell and Michael Flynn, the former national security advisor, came to Trump to urge him to consider the plan to seize voting machines. As the meeting grew heated, Mr. Cipollone told the committee that other plans were discussed, including to grant Ms. Powell a security clearance and name her special counsel, putting her in charge of Mr. Trump's legal effort to contest the election results. Genius. The meeting lasted hours, moving from the Oval Office to other areas of the West Wing before ending in the presidential residence, according to the committee. And arguments broke out throughout the evening including challenges to a physical fight. A year and a half has gone on since January 6th. The committee interviewed a thousand witnesses, but they couldn't get Cipollone. Now they did. 
January 6th committee grilling its most important witness yet behind closed doors for nearly eight hours. And multiple sources are saying Friday's testimony from former Trump White House counsel Pat Cipollone is, quote, very important and extremely helpful. Sworn testimony from previous hearings puts him at the center of multiple pivotal events, including in the Oval Office on January 3rd, shooting down Trump's plan to replace the acting attorney general with an election-denying DOJ lawyer. Cipollone repeatedly warned about the legal pitfalls of Trump going to the Capitol with his supporters. On January 6th, two sources say he was with Trump, watching the riot unfold on television. The next day, tried in vain to get Trump to call for the prosecution of the rioters. I want to discuss this further with someone who had an inside view of the Trump administration, former Trump White House lawyer Jim Schultz. Jim, thanks so much for taking the time. Look, just to kind of start up top, we know, or we learned, especially from Cassie Hutchinson's testimony, that the former president wanted to go to the Capitol on January 6th. Pat Cipollone was with the former president that day, and the committee wanted to hear what he thought about that idea. Walk through why this seems to be such a critical angle for the committee at this point. Look, of, of course that's a very critical angle for the committee. Uh, Pat Cipollone was in the room blocking and tackling at the right times, and the country should be happy that Pat Cipollone was on the job when he did it. Um, he's, a, he's a good lawyer. He's a careful lawyer. He gives, he's, I'm sure, gave his clients good advice. Republicans who served in Trump's White House or on his campaign have been testifying before the committee, in many cases defying their former boss in very fun and colorful language and brutal terms. Mr. Trump's close ally, former Attorney General William Barr, testified that he told the president that arguments claiming he had won the election were bullshit. <laughs> I mean... We hate Barr, but this testimony just might redeem him in our book. When Watergate happened, ultimately, it wasn't even so much when the tapes came out that former President Nixon began a swift fall from grace and power, says Jeffrey Engel, a presidential historian at Southern Methodist University. It was when Republicans who had been defending Nixon realized he had made them lie for him. They realized they had been lying for a liar. I don't think that happens in this day and age, but I digress. Is Donald Trump finished? Staunch Republicans at the Reagan Library gave a standing ovation to his outspoken critic Liz Cheney after a speech calling on the party to make a choice. Republicans cannot both be loyal to Donald Trump and loyal to the Constitution. The conservative Washington Examiner newspaper is also turning against Trump, calling him unfit to be anywhere near power ever again. And an editorial in the conservative New York Post shocked Republican circles by declaring Trump unworthy for the office and delusional. But Senator Lindsey Graham, who just finished playing a round of golf with Trump, tells Fox News, don't count the former president out. He might run in 2024. In Mark Leibovich's new bestseller, Thank You for Your Servitude, Donald Trump's Washington and the Price of Submission, the author refers to Trump's usual collection of pet rocks, mentioning as examples Rudy Giuliani and former campaign strategist Bannon and Corey Lewandowski. 
Elsewhere, Giuliani will be described as the master creature of the Trump swamp. In the same paragraph, Leibovich refers to Trump leg humpers from the House, meaning the U.S. House of Representatives, and dismisses Trump's best-known spokespersons as C-listers, bumped up temporarily to the B-list status by their proximity to the president. I wish we could get Leibovich to write for us, leg humpers. That's a good one. While Giuliani and Eastman were key players for Trump and his campaign, respectively, and Clark was a senior Justice Department official, the trio played big roles in a brazen, multi-front drive not to certify some Biden electors, but bogus ones for Trump. That could fuel charges against Trump, who they collaborated with for obstruction of an official proceeding or defrauding the U.S. Jeffrey Clark, Rudy Giuliani, and John Eastman now face escalating legal threats amid expanding DOJ investigations and explosive testimony. The justices' expanding criminal inquiry became palpable on the 22nd of June when FBI agents raided Clark's home and separately seized Eastman's cell phone as grand jury subpoenas involving the scheme were served on top Republican figures and Trump allies in Georgia and Arizona. Paul Pelletier, a former acting chief of DOJ's fraud section, said that for prosecutors, the powerful testimony of Hutchinson might be the final nail in the legal jeopardy coffin of Trump's coterie of lawyers and enablers. In battleground states across the country, GOP activists, Republican party chairs, and even a state Senate president. I am the Senate president of Arizona, and it is our job to make sure we have fair and accurate elections. Are getting hit with subpoenas. As early as this week, some Republicans tied to the plan to put forward fake electors for Donald Trump are set to turn over information to federal investigators. Apart from the aforementioned legal battles for Trump, there are a litany of other legal woes he faces, including several investigations and lawsuits related to his business practices with the Trump Organization, to the Capitol riots, to a family inheritance feud. Here's every major legal challenge the former president is facing. One, the NAACP has filed a lawsuit against Trump for interfering with the 2020 election in violation of the Voting Rights Act and the Ku Klux Klan Act. Number two, Rep. Eric Swalwell is suing Trump in a separate lawsuit over the January 6th attack. U.S. Capitol Police officers filed three separate lawsuits against Trump for inciting the January 6th rioting, which injured more than 100 officers. Four officers committed suicide afterward, and one died from a stroke shortly after. But again, the Republicans, that's the party of back the police, back the blue, right? D.C. Attorney General Carl Racine says his probe into the Capitol riots could result in charges against Trump. New York Attorney General Letitia James is investigating whether Trump inflated property values for investors and deflated them in federal tax forms. I think when he sat for that deposition, he called her a rogue prosecutor. Manhattan DA, this is number six, Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg is continuing a probe into tax fraud and financial crimes. 
The case already resulted in charges filed against former Trump org CFO Alan the Weasel Weisselberg. Number seven, the Westchester County, New York District Attorney's Office also launched an investigation in October into whether the Trump organization misled officials about the property value of Trump National Golf Club. Number eight, the National Archives has asked the Department of Justice to investigate whether the former president mishandled classified documents. Where is Jeffrey Tubin to explain all of this legal fuckery? The Justice Department's investigation into January 6th began with the violence that erupted at the U.S. Capitol and charges against more than 800 alleged rioters, including the leaders of the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers. But in recent months, it's expanded to cover the fake elector scheme in seven battleground states, with subpoenas to prominent Republicans like Arizona Senate President Karen Fan, Georgia Republican Party Chairman David Schaefer, and Arizona Republican Party Chair Kelly Ward. Do not let this election be stolen. The probe also inching closer to Trump as investigators raided Jeffrey Clark's home, the former DOJ official who pushed Donald Trump's voter fraud claims. They even brought along something, Tucker, I've never seen before uh, or heard of, a uh, electronic sniffing dog. And uh, they took all of the electronics from my house. And also seized electronics from former Trump election attorney John Eastman, who peddled baseless fraud claims and pushed a legal theory that Vice President Pence could block the 2020 election certification. All we are demanding of Vice President Pence is this afternoon at 1 o'clock, he let the legislatures of the state look into this. Beyond the DOJ probe, a separate criminal investigation into Trump and his allies is escalating in Georgia, where investigators subpoenaed key Trump allies, including Rudy Giuliani and South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham. The district attorney there says more subpoenas may soon be headed to Trump's inner circle. We're going to do our due diligence. And a separate congressional investigation unearthing new details, like Trump's eagerness to go to the Capitol January 6th, and the legal risks that went with it. So what is Trump's political future? Trump has dangled the prospect of running again in 2024, a musing that typically gets a rousing round of applause when he speaks to conservative groups or at his rallies. But that has not put the brakes on other Republicans testing the political waters for 2024. Trump's former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley was in Iowa late last month, gently stumping. Pompeo, his former Secretary of State, has been to Ohio five times, as well as Mike Pence, Tom Cotton, Chris Christie, really, again? Ted Cruz, and heir apparent Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is emerging as Trump's biggest challenge in statewide polls. People in the political world have backed away from being as concerned and afraid of Trump. And Republicans are still reading the tea leaves on Trump's intentions, which involve not just his political future, but his finances and brand. Meanwhile, Republican presidential wannabes aren't waiting around for Trump to make a decision about running in 2024. At first, GOP hopefuls were cautious. Some saying they would not declare a candidacy unless Trump decided not to run. Do you think Donald Trump entering the presidential race freezes the race, keeps other candidates out? Because people are running. 
now. I mean, Mike Pence is running, hasn't announced yet, I'm not making an announcement on behalf of Mike Pence for an official committee, but he's doing what you need to do to run for president now. Ron DeSantis is sort of doing what he needs to do to run for president right now. There are other Republicans doing the same. Does he freeze the field, Trump, not, if he gets in? Not entirely. That's a change. It, it, it is a change. But look, this has all been happening in slow motion, but but people, it's been an open secret, right? People are saying, look, I'm going to start building my committee, but hopefully Donald Trump doesn't get in. Some of them are past the point of no return because they're never going to get the Donald, you know, good graces. And that's what some of them have been hoping for. If I build, build something and he doesn't get in, maybe I'll get his support. That's a fool's errand from the beginning. But you will see some folks get in, and there's a whole bunch more waiting in the wings. Trump has become a prisoner of his own ego. He can't admit his tweeting and narcissism might have turned off millions. Still debatable. He won't stop insisting that 2020 was stolen, even though he's offered no proof that it's true. Respected officials like former Attorney General Bill Barr call his rants nonsense. This isn't just about Liz Cheney. Mitch McConnell, Betsy DeVos, Mark Meadows, they all knew Trump was delusional. His own daughter and son-in-law testified it was all bullshit. Meanwhile, reports that Trump was pleased that the January 6th crowd chanted for Vice President Mike Pence to be hanged, which is a truly reprehensible sentiment, makes him unworthy for the office. Trump can't look past 2020. Let's let him just stay there. I think he's going to he is in still a very strong position to steamroll Ron DeSantis or Glenn Youngkin or Mike Pence or any of these Republicans that are thinking about doing it. Uh, I still think he has an iron grip. These all these people think, well, maybe he won't. Have you ever known a narcissist to say, hey, turn off the camera? I don't want any attention. Uh, not me. But look at how Republican members of Congress have reacted to Cassidy Hutchinson's testimony, and the rest of the testimony on January 6th, which is shocking and damning. Ms. Hutchinson testified under oath that she heard the president say that he wanted the magnetometers taken down so that people could bring guns and weapons to, that, to the Congress. And yet, not a peep, not a peep from some of the people who may have been targeted by those rioters, not a peep. So I, I think the Republicans are so cowed by Trump, you can still hear a moo. Consider this, even if Trump at 78 managed to win the presidency in 2024. Who would work for him? Now that he's betrayed every competent person on his former staff, Trump fatigue might be a real thing with voters, asking themselves whether, if they vote for another candidate, they can get the same policies without all the baggage. And then there's the FBI raid. Nuclear secrets, Random boxes in a basement next time on the Trump Mafia. Do you think the country can handle prosecuting a former president? Yeah, I'm not sure they can, but I think, you know, no man is above the law. So if that's where the facts lead, that's what has to happen.